a friend of mine a while ago shared this line that still hasn't escaped my mind. And that is, she said, you don't need to know the whole how, you just need to know where to start. I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my nine to five job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey everyone, this is Brian. Thank you so much for tuning in to Lead with Impact today. I'm excited to have you with me. We have a really interesting guest today. We'll be speaking to Oleg Lohid. Oleg has a fascinating story about overcoming the odds. He was born in Russia and at nine years old, he relinquished his parents' rights and entered a Russian orphanage. He was later adopted into the U.S and really had to overcome a whole new set of circumstances. And all that has led him to share his story today about resilience, overcoming rejection, living intentionally, telling your own story, and much more. And he has told that in venues such as his TEDx talk, How to Overcome Your Odds. And today he'll be sharing it with us here on Lead with Impact. So super excited about that before we get into it. Just want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. If you like Lead with Impact, feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you find us. If you could subscribe, rate, and review, it would be really helpful. That being said, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump in and talk to Oleg Lohid. Now, as we record this, is there anything from your standpoint that would make this a really good opportunity for you or um, that you really want to make sure that I ask you about? Nothing that comes to mind. I think what stands out to me as far as the time that we're all experiencing right now is in regard to the hardship and the adversity that COVID and some of the other things have presented us with. I'm choosing to look at it through the lens of what am I here to learn and what is this here to teach me? So maybe in regard to something like that, like how has this impacted you and and what do you think of the times that we're living in right now? Um, Because I think it's a good, uh, I think it's a good reminder to create a space for people to understand that that choice is always there. And that is that choice for you to look and to look at life through a different lens um, it takes a little bit of time for sure <laughs> to develop a different lens. So I would be lying if I said it just happened overnight with a snap of a finger. It took me many, many years to get to a point where I uh, completely redefined my own relationship with adversity and challenges and suffering and whatever else that might come. Great. Well, we're rolling right now. So I think that was a good intro. So as long as you're all right with it, as long as you're all right with it we'll just keep talking. Absolutely. So. How did you get to the point where this was a message that you wanted to share with people? What made you this version of Oleg with this particular message? 
That's a really good question. And the way that I think I would like to answer that is maybe in multiple phases of it. And that is my background for those that may not be familiar with my story revolves around me being born in Russia in a town in the direction of Kazakhstan called Chibarkul. This is the only chance I get to practice Russian. So I'm, I'm going to take every opportunity I get, but being born in that town and being born to a family where my mother was an alcoholic. Uh, my father was in prison at the time of my birth and my sister who was and still is 18 years older than I am ended up becoming my legal guardian. The challenge of being brought up in that particular household is this, is that not only was I faced with situation and situations and times where I didn't know where the next meal was going to come from or who was going to take care of me on any of those days, but also I felt that I had to become an adult at a very young age. So when you hear those stories from individuals in telling you that I'm glad that I can be a child once again, or I'm glad that I can be that younger version of myself. I deeply appreciate and respect those moments because I felt that my childhood transitioned so fast into adulthood where I really had no choice to kind of even look at it through the lens of, Hey, I don't have to be an adult or I don't have to make adult like decisions in regard to some of the conditions I was experiencing. It was either that or, potentially me not being on, on the face of this planet, face of the earth. How old are you at this point in time? I was approximately five or six, seven wow. years old. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've shared a couple of times by now is it, it's both a blessing and a curse. And that is I have a photographic memory. So I can remember everything literally since the time I was baptized as a baby. Mm -hmm. I actually remember being in church. I remember being held by uh, my sister and my cousin was in the room. And it's been very interesting to talk to my sister and confirm some of those memories. She was like, yep, that did happen. That's incredible. So, yeah, I, I don't know how I was able to capture the moment or what stood out to me in particular that really resonated in my memory so much that it still lives there. But the the question that you initially posed, you know, as I look back at my journey and the experiences and the circumstances that I was born into, the reason why I wanted to do this work and have this message when it comes to adversity and really just creating a space for others to understand that whatever cards they were dealt with to begin with does not have to be the same hand that you carry forward with you every single day, that you can reshuffle that deck. You can pick new cards. You can pick new experiences and you can even reframe some of those previous experiences into something different. What truly happened for me and the biggest reason why I wanted to change the narrative of my own life is there were moments within the journey where I had enough is enough type of mindset. And that is for however long I believed I was a victim of my circumstances. I had a very difficult time in looking at some of the past events <clears throat> and rationalize it in a way as far as why did this happen to me? Why was I the one that had to experience all this loss and adversity and tragedy in life? Why me? 
And so for the longest time, I asked myself that question, why me? Why was I the one? And then what I realized was that there's so much beauty within that power of choice. And that is choosing to look at that question through the lens of not only why me, but if not you, if not you, then who else? And that's where my mindset shifted completely. And I found myself in a complete growth phase of it. And I was choosing to step into these spaces and instead of looking myself and the circumstances as I can't believe these things happened to me, I started to look at them as I'm really grateful that this all happened because now I can learn, I can be a better person. I can be of greater service to other people. And now I can finally understand what some of the other people who have gone through similar circumstances really experience at the core, you know, the loneliness, the loss, the depression, the anxiety, the constant transitions from one place to another, the living with the unknown, not knowing, not, not even where your next meal is going to come from, but what is your life going to look like today? Are you going to have a life tomorrow? So there was a lot of deep, I think, introspective questions and journey that I began to take within my life. And at what point in your life are you having these conversations where you're really making that switch in mindsets? Leading up to my 20s. Leading up to my 20s were the first, like, 16, 17, or 18 years old when I first started to get curious about it. The, the thing that I even mentioned to you prior to hitting the record button here, none of this happened overnight. This, in fact, as I look back at my journey, there are phases of it. Was there a phase when I shared or overshared a story where the person was left complete, completely speechless and not knowing to do with their, <laughs> their own experience? So did I traumatize them? 100%. But that's because I didn't know. And that's, that's one of the challenges, I think, of sharing stories in general is that you don't know what you don't know. Not even necessarily where you're at or where the person may be, but you may not know what you're sharing and how it's going to impact the other person. You may traumatize them, but you may not have the, the knowledge nor experience to help them get out of that hole that they're in now. So... I found myself in, my, in a lot of those situations at the very beginning stages of sharing my story. I then started to tap into different works that focused on narrative therapy, positive psychology, reframing, power of words, power of language. And that's where I think I began to realize that words do matter. And so the words that I choose to describe my own experiences, especially, especially those of hardship, I have to be very careful because as much as they can create someone else's world, they can also destroy that world at the same exact time. Absolutely. And I would like to revisit that because there's a lot to unpack, mm -hmm. but maybe you can catch our audience up between the time when you were five or six and struggling and mm -hmm. the time when you had this, revelation maybe that's too strong of a word but mindset shift so mm -hmm. you were in russia as a child you're in the u.s with us now so i'm assuming there's there's a story there <laughs> <laughs> there sure is the story is that when i was that young kid five or six years old 
leading up to when I was about nine, I had faced quite a bit of adversity in my life. And that is some of the things that I mentioned to you of living with an alcoholic mother and father who was non-existent and then my sister who was my legal guardian. One of the biggest challenges within that particular dynamic was I felt that I was a rock that was stuck between two different islands. And that is because of the decisions my mom had made, there was obvious resentment that my sister had developed because I was all of a sudden her responsibility at an age where she may not have wanted to have a child to begin how, with. And how old was she? She was 18 years older, so she was in her mid-20s. Mm. Mid-20s, and what's been really interesting to, to learn, and actually this is a story that I've never shared with anyone until now, and that is uh, recently when I was having a conversation with my sister, she had told me that when my mom was pregnant and she was laying on the hospital bed, my sister ended up coming into the room and she had asked her, why are you nervous? And my mom kept dodging the question, kept dodging the question. And then she eventually said something along the lines of, I'm nervous for you. As in the child I'm going to give birth to is going to be your responsibility. The circumstances beyond that, that I was born into actually, was after I was born, my sister was not there for a certain period of time. And when she ended up coming back to the apartment, all she saw was a baby boy wrapped in feces, crying for however, I, I think it was multiple days. At least that's what the neighbors had said. And so my mom completely left. She left me at the apartment and that was it. That was, that was my birth. That was my entrance to this world. And so when I think about that, and then all of the other circumstances that I had to go through from the ages of five to six to nine years old. I remember looking back at my journey and having once again, or maybe for the first time having one of those moments of enough is enough. Something has to change. There has to be an opportunity for a better future. There's a video by Oprah Winfrey during which she says that when she was younger and she had gone through different elements of abuse, there's one line that kept her going. And then she continued to believe in herself and she continued to believe that a better day would come. I remember listening to that video and literally hitting rewind, rewind, <laughs> rewind, because that was me. I saw the world not for what it was, but for what I aspired it to be. I continued to believe in the possibility for a better future. And that future came when I was nine. I was a nine-year-old kid and I was given an opportunity to enter myself into an orphanage. Part of that decision involved giving up my parents' rights completely. At the time, I, I, in all honesty, I didn't really understand what that meant. I didn't understand the fact that once I said yes to being an orphan, that I would no longer be able to see my family as frequent as I wanted to. So I remember at nine years old, I gave up my parents' rights. I went into an orphanage. And that's where my life took a completely different turn. And that is everything that I was told, as far as you have your own friends to play with, toys, food, shelter, everything that I needed to hear at the time. Even though there's a grain of truth, or there was a grain of truth to it all, it was also very challenging to accept this concept that the family that you had 
is not going to be there with you every step of the way. That you're going to have new role models, that you're going to have new caregivers, that you have to obey their rules. And if you don't, you'll be punished. See, one of the things that I think doesn't get discussed often enough was in regard to the orphanage experience. Even though I wanted to look at that place as this horrific place, it was the place that gave me opportunity at the same time. And that is, it was my second year while living there. I was able to join a folk singing program. Now, I had no one in our family that had any sort of musical abilities. <laughs> so where, where I got this from, the origin is still unknown. <laughs> <laughs> but what was beautiful about it was after I started to take some of these classes at the orphanage and then later on, I realized that the school that I attended also had similar music classes that I was able to tap into. I realized that I, it was a hidden talent of mine I realized that my ability to perform and to sing might actually somehow create another version of that future. So I really, I, that's where I believe my work ethic and my drive and perseverance really activated. That's where they took a completely different turn. And so I dedicated everything that I could to those studies. And then within a year of that, I believe that's when we started to travel to different cities, different competitions. In fact, I remember we would be sitting down in the, this, there was a big ballroom at the orphanage where we uh, performed some of the classes or took some of the classes. And after the class was over, we would sit down, print a bunch of images of t-shirts, pants, boots, put them down on material, trace them with uh, soap because it didn't leave any marks cut them out and then start stitching them together so we'd stitch everything by hand all the costumes or all, all, everything else that we needed to do I remember we used to have these wooden wooden pen uh, um, spoons as part of the kind of decoration or the tools that we used and so we had to color those so we made we'd make everything by hand and so the beauty of that experience is that it truly taught me that hard work does pay off. That after a while, if you put in the work and if you put in the hours and the right amount of concentration, that it's actually going to manifest in whatever it is that you envision. Whether or not it comes in that form, that's a completely different story and a completely different discussion. But I do believe that if you put in the time that you do manifest a version of whatever it is that you envision may not be the same exact thing, but it's close enough to it, I think. That sounds like an incredible lesson in so many ways. Figuring out your talent and then putting the hard work behind it. And it sounds like also you were really required to be creative too. You couldn't yeah. just show up and sing and everything would be all right. Like, it sounds like you had to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, tapping into my creativity was a huge driver for it all. One other thing that I, as I reflect upon this journey right now, that I think played a big role in it was I was a poet. So I've been a poet since, probably since I was born. And as I used to climb on the windowsill at night and write poetry, 
next morning I'll wake up and read it to someone and then say, wow, that's actually really good. Like, <laughs> let's do something with it. But yet that was just an everyday activity to me. And so I think doing things like that and then some of the other forms that help me tap into my own creativity only expanded or helped me expand upon the current skill set that I had, helped me see things through a completely different lens, helped me make a series of decisions that I may not have if I didn't tap into some of those creative juices that I had within me. So I think poetry, music, really helped me expand my mindset, helped me in critical thinking, helped me understand that there's always more than one way to any problem that I might encounter. And it also helped me understand that in situations where there appears to be a linear course towards a thing, it rarely is. It's always a zigzag. It's two step forward, 20 step, some other direction. And then you'll get realigned again. <laughs> right, right. But that's that was the journey. And so fast forward to my last year at the orphanage and performing some of these folk songs, we had received a letter from an adoption agency because I guess some of our performance had performances had reached out the, this far. And we received a letter from an adoption agency from Michigan saying, if you guys have a group of kids who um, you would like to essentially come or visit here to us and we'll start this form of our exchange program. And I remember coming here for two weeks and staying with what soon became my parents. It was a complete culture shock to come to the United States for the first time because I, the only thing that I knew about United States at the time was it was dreamland or land of opportunity. I still don't know what that means to a degree. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I heard in one of your interviews that you, you said you knew two things, Dreamland and Michael Jordan. So yeah. I thought that was My, pretty, pretty funny. Michael Jordan was the other one. And the story behind that was, I think it was a week prior to our court date in Russia. My mom and I sat down on the couch at the orphanage and she pulled out her notebook and she started to scribble down different names for me to choose as my middle name. At the time, the only American name I knew was Michael Jordan. And so I remember she wrote Walter, uh, Benjamin, James, and some of these other names, and then Michael. Like, that's it. So that movie that you think of, like Mike, I feel like I have to be somehow within it. Um, <laughs> have, you so, watched, have you watched The uh, Last Dance? Which is so total. Uh, total I did. I did. It was incredible. It really was incredible to see that version of Michael Jordan that I think many of us may not have had a chance to see and probably haven't because we haven't played on the same court as him or been in the same practice facilities. But I think what stood out to me the most about it was his continued commitment and dedication to a goal. And it's, it's fascinating to see that once you really, once you really want something and you've identified that thing, the desire becomes so strong that literally you can't find one other reason for why you can't do that thing, which is, I think, a slightly backwards model sometimes for those of us who, who haven't tapped into that level of 
dedication to a particular thing is that some of us will find 110 reasons for why we can't do a certain thing before we give ourselves one. But his case was just the complete opposite. You know, he, he gave himself every reason in the book for why he's going to make it to whatever it is that he envisioned. I was old enough that, or I am old enough that I watched his career closely and I never realized how much of his success was really what you talk about mindset. Uh Yeah. See, he had all the physical skills, but there's a, there is a ton of people. There are a lot of people who have similar physical skills that he had, Yeah. but just his refusal to be anything other than the best. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot to be learned from his journey and my journey, and I'm sure your journey as well. And that is, I think when you dedicate all of your time and energy and your efforts towards a particular vision that you have, my experience thus far has been, it actually is that it happens. You actually manifest it. It's not the same exact shape and form that I think I have within my mind. And the biggest reason why is because in that, in my mind, everything is perfect. Mine has a hard time recognizing imperfections or the things that may not go as expected or the obstacles. Now, that's one of the reasons why for the longest time I, I found it challenging to be going after certain goals because in my mind, it's just a straight shot. Do this, do this and do that. And boom, you're there. But in reality, it's do this, do that. And then 110 other things. <laughs> right. And then you may get there. But you need to make those initial decisions and yeah. those, take those initials at, at initial actions. I mean, hearing your story, you know, it's, it's amazing to me sometimes how like the little things that we do in life just morph into things that we never would have expected. Like yeah. some, somebody at your orphanage had to make a decision that focusing it would be a good activity for yeah. the kid, for the kids. Right. And if that person doesn't make that decision, it sounds like to me, you might be living a totally different life. Yeah. Which, and they probably had no way of knowing that right. that small classroom was going to turn into a room where future adoptive parents are going to come into one day and adopt a group of their kids. Right. It, so there's so much that I think in life goes unknown, but if there's anything that I learned throughout that journey and the journey that I have this far is the importance of being intentional. The importance of being as, as intentional as I can with every decision because of that, because of the fact that whatever I may manifest today or whatever I choose today can become a completely different entity tomorrow. You know, I don't know whose paths I'm going to cross with tomorrow. I don't know where this conversation is going to go or who it's going to impact. Right. Someone may hear it 20 years down the road and say to themselves, this is exactly what I needed to hear in order for me to make this next decision. And then their life changes once again, the same exact way. I think I've been able to get myself on, onto this path, maybe a similar path that you've traveled. You know, certain people haven't said certain things about, Hey, you should check out this book called Think and Grow Rich. Mm. And I read that book cover to cover two or three times without a break. And then it just clicked that you can actually think and grow rich from your thoughts. That's it. You don't need the money. You don't need the fancy cars. 
You don't need the, the mansion. You just need the ability to be open to the possibility that you can think differently. Right. Amazing. Yeah, I have a copy of it. Well, the listeners can't see, but you can. <laughs> Bookshelf behind me, it's, it's, it's sitting on here. To me, I mean, the power of that book and ones like it, at least for me, I have a hard time with the concept that just thinking about something makes it happen. But I think thinking about it allows you to do the things that make it happen. Yeah. Because you have to get that mindset right first. And I'm sure you work really hard, but you only do that because you've created a mindset which says, I have a vision and I need to take this one step, even though there might be another 100 that I don't know about, but I'm not yeah. going to get there until I do this thing and see where it takes me. Yeah. A friend of mine a while ago shared this line that still hasn't escaped my mind. And that is, she said, you don't need to know the whole how you just need to know where to start. And I just thought it's such a brilliant way of putting this mindset around a plan because I was the opposite prior to her telling me that mm -hmm. I wanted to know the step for step breakdown. In fact, there were points where I would map out the whole thing and I would get so overwhelmed <laughs> that I would just recycle that plan and then I would start over. And then what I realized was that in that process of every single day recreating that same exact plan, it became procrastination. And because of that, it was in action. So whatever I envisioned, just like you said, whatever I dreamed of, thinking about it was not enough or putting it down on paper was not enough. I actually had to go out there and knock on doors, connect with different people, say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Is there any possible way that we can collaborate? Different things. And the other thing that I think is important to note or might be interesting to note during this conversation is that I believe that when I chose to step into the space and put my best foot forward, I received a lot of rejection. Now, my relationship with rejection is completely different today than it was maybe a year ago. And that is there were certain points where I was still afraid of being rejected in certain areas. Especially once you receive so many no's, it's very hard to find the motivation to keep going. So what I've learned over time is that this concept of rejection, it has very little, maybe if anything, to do with what I said or what I did. It has everything to do with where that person is in their particular chapter in their journey of their lives. You know, as a public speaker, what I, what I oftentimes find is every single day I'll reach out to different universities or private and public schools and the other organizations that I can speak to them on the topics of resilience and adversity and things like that. I can't tell you the number of F you don't ever contact me again. No, thank you that I receive. But at the same time, I just look at those messages and I don't, I don't choose to respond. I just move on. And so that's, that's a big challenge that I think oftentimes maybe it does get discussed, but not to the same degree is that I believe at least my experience has been when I stepped into this journey, those elements and those moments of rejection got even greater.
Mm. You know, and, and with every single step, those things just keep moving. So the more you grow and the more you open yourself up to different opinions and perspectives, there's a point where it becomes just a part of your everyday routine. You know, for every positive, there's a negative. I wanted to ask you about that a little because you talked about this uh, moment in time when you really started to have a mindset shift in your late teens, maybe mm -hmm. early twenties. Do you find, well, I'll, I'll say for myself, my mindset is a big part, a big thing for me, but I still can find myself in days and times where I can start to slip into a little bit of negative thinking. I sort of have to readjust myself. So do you think that's part of the journey? I mean, once we make these shifts, do we still need to keep refining? We still need to keep checking ourselves. Every day. I experience negative thoughts every single day. Now, I, I don't think it has, I mean, there's so many factors that influence negative thinking to begin with. It could be an email, not getting enough sleep, literally waking up on the wrong side of the bed, right. air quotes. <laughs> but it, it's those things that influence it or you want certain thing to happen one way and it happens another. So then the first thought or the first tendency may be, well, why is it happening this way rather than just embracing it for what it is. So to answer your question, the negative thoughts for me, they happen every single day. The difference is what do I choose to do with them and how do I react and how do I respond? That's the big difference. There's, an, uh, there's a, another amazing book that I've read called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And there's a portion in that book where he talks about there's this beautiful space between when you hear something and then the moment you respond and it's that space in between. Mm. And I find that such a fascinating concept because it's available to each and every single one of us. That space where we can make that either split second decision or we can actually think upon what we're about to say and how we're going to project that to other people it can make a big difference for someone else, including yourself. You know, the, the thing that I find interesting as well in regard to this concept of negative thoughts and just language in general, I remember when I first started the, I guess you could say the path of public speaking, some of the speakers that I was having conversations with, the dialogue oftentimes was, oh, I just have to be good when I'm on stage. And so the everyday language that they were using with each other, a lot of them had negative words and negative connotations within that. And for me, that didn't really resonate because I felt that why would I be one person off stage and another person on stage? What's the truth in that journey? And I, I bet there becomes a point where the person that you're off stage, it meets the person that you're on stage. Right. And then you have a collide and then you right. don't know what's going on. So you're living this actual life off stage, what one would call authentic and a non stage. It's a completely different journey. It's a perfect version of who you are. And so, so I remember just observing some of the behaviors and I said, I don't want to do that. I'm going to work on my language. Now I'm going to work on different ways to respond to those negative thoughts and the negative thinking instead of me coming to you and saying, Hey, I've solved everything there is about that concept. And here's what I've done. When in reality, I might not have even taken the first step. 
So I think there's a lot to be said between choosing to embrace and live the journey every single day and also understanding there's, there's so much more to learn. The things that I know now may or may not be the things that are going to be needed to get me into that next step, that next level. It might be the lessons that I get tomorrow or the day beyond that. So long story longer, the, the negative thoughts, they're always there. And I believe they will always be there because they have to balance out. And it becomes that skill of course correcting. Yeah. And, and knowing that, you know, everybody is going to, uh, you know, there's going to be challenges for all of us. And it's just a, a consistent thing. I heard somebody, um, I was listening to a poker expert, I can't remember the name, but recently on a podcast, he was talking about how he thinks that life and decision making is similar to poker. Because you know, you have your own hands, but you don't necessarily know what it's in everybody else's hands. So you just have to make decisions based on the knowledge that you have. But when you get consistently good at it, you win. But in this conversation, I think it's similar too, because it's not just one hand, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you have a good hand and you win, but then you get another hand and you have to sort of go through it again. So part of this, I think, is just being a consistently good poker player in a way and saying, hey, Tuesday's hand might not be as good as Monday's hand was, but I'm going to do my best with it. Yeah. And there's always going to be a level of risk that comes with it all. That's another thing that I have learned. And the one other lesson beyond that, that I'm choosing to embrace as much as I can is this concept in thinking that I somehow know it all, which is not the truth by any means. And that is even the things that I know today may not be the things that I know tomorrow because I might have a conversation tomorrow morning with someone who helps me see a world through a completely different lens. So I think this concept of hands, it's fascinating to look at because yes, there is truth as far as you don't know what the other hands are around you, but there's also truth about the hand that you have today. You may not have it tomorrow. So there's nothing about that hand that's certain or guaranteed. You may not have any cards tomorrow, period. Right. Or you may have a full deck or you, you may have, you may know something about that game of poker that's going to allow you to win more often. So there is, there's something to be said with, I think this concept of kind of taking it day by day. Uh, I can't say I'm perfect at it. I'll be lying if I said I, if I was, because I do still think about the future and the past. Uh, for me, past is a good thing to reflect on because it gives me some lessons, some things that I could do different. Um, this whole concept of fully being in the president, I can't say I fully understand that just yet because I'm still finding myself thinking about certain things about the future, even writing a to-do list. That's all about the future. That's all about the next minute. That's deep. <laughs> think about that let's wrap up by sharing something i mean this has been a fantastic conversation but let's try to share something tangible with our listeners so if, from your experience and your story and your mission if there's somebody listening here that's saying yeah, life's been tough for me lately 
we all know what's going on with COVID and everything else. You know, we don't have to talk about that too much, but life's been tough for me. I want to overcome the odds like Oleg talks about. What are two or three things that they should do? You know, the first thing that comes to mind and this, everything revolves around the concept of questioning and that is choosing to question the reality that you might be living in or the one that you chose for yourself. And the question that I like to remind myself of when I experience some of those challenging circumstances, such as COVID and everything else that we've experienced. And that is, what am I here to learn? And what is this here to teach me? What that has allowed me to do is to create a space where I can reflect upon the experience and try and understand what were the lessons within that. So here's the beauty, at least in my, in my experience, every single event has a lesson with it. Every single one. If you really think about it, even the smallest decisions or even the moments of indecision have a lesson within it. Why did you choose not to decide? Or why did you make this decision? Who influenced it? How did that decision even came, come about? What inspired it? So there's a lot to be learned between dissecting each one of those events and really just taking an honest approach and a step back and asking myself the question of what is this here to teach me and what am I here to learn? That's been the, one of the biggest tools that really helped me reframe every single in, instance. It's fantastic. If someone wants to learn more about this or get in touch with you, how can they do it? The best way to do it would be just any form of social media. And that is when it comes to the company component, it is looking up overcoming odds or a personal. And that's just my name, Oleg, last name, Lohid, across LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, wherever it may be until I go off the grid. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, for now, they can find you there. They better hurry before you go off the grid. Oh, this has been great. This has been a uh, very wide-ranging conversation. I didn't think we we're going to talk about going to talk about Michael Jordan or poker or any of those things. But it's, been, <laughs> it's been sort of sort of fun. I appreciate you taking the time. Your story is inspirational, and uh, I appreciate you sharing it with me and our audience. Oh, thank you. Thank you for creating this space and thank you for everything that you do to help other people ask themselves these questions because I think that's what life is about. In my experience, life is not so much about the destination, but it's about the journey that you take within it.